The lies of the plastics industry exposed. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. They lied. The plastics industry lied when it promoted recycling as a solution to its waste problem, knowing full well it wasn't technically or economically viable, according to a new report by the Center for Climate Integrity. Using prior investigations and recently obtained internal documents, the report reveals how petrochemical companies created the plastic waste crisis through deceptive marketing campaigns. The report says plastic is nearly impossible to recycle since most products are made with different chemical additives or colorants that make recycling more costly than using virgin materials. Even if a piece of plastic is recycled, the industry knew it could only be reused once, maybe twice, and actually became more toxic as it degraded. Despite these challenges, they promoted recycling with the familiar but misleading triangle of chasing arrows, like on the bottom of yogurt containers and laundry bottles, which implied the onus was on consumers to reduce waste, all while intentionally expanding single-use products to meet a demand they invented. Ultimately, municipalities had to build the infrastructure to collect, sort, clean, and process the plastic waste, leaving taxpayers to foot the bill. Plastic waste is everywhere, collecting in rivers, lakes, and oceans, and the air we breathe. It's in the food we eat and the water we drink. One study estimates that humans ingest the equivalent of a credit card's worth of plastic every week. The American Chemistry Council called the report flawed. However, its authors say government officials should consider the evidence that companies defrauded the public and take appropriate action to hold them accountable. There's urgency for the seven states that rely on the Colorado River to reach an agreement on how to keep water levels high enough in two major reservoirs. Climate change is threatening water delivery and power systems as the region becomes drier. The states have until next month to agree on alternatives to keep the system afloat for the next couple of decades and submit them to the Bureau of Reclamation. If they don't, the Bureau will propose its own plan for cuts to allocations from the river, which supplies 40 million people and agriculture. However, there's a wrinkle in the negotiations. Water lost to evaporation and transpiration has not been considered under the current rules. According to the Bureau, around 1.3 million acre-feet in the lower basin states of Arizona, California, and Nevada disappear annually. Now, all of the states except California have proposed that when water levels drop, allocations would be cut, taking evaporation and transpiration into account. That plan would affect California the most, and the state has suggested a more modest proposal based on historic water rights. An additional pressure? There are fears that the November election could change decision-makers at the federal level. Greenland is turning green. The ice sheets and glaciers on the world's largest island are melting, leading to the growth of vegetation. A new study shows large areas where ice used to be 
now have shrubs, wetlands, or barren rock for the first time since the Vikings visited 1,000 years ago. A team of scientists from the University of Leeds attribute the conditions to warmer air temperatures, which have been heating up at twice the global average. Ice and snow reflect the sun's energy to keep Earth cooler, but as temperatures rise, the melting exposes bedrock that absorbs energy. The bare places are then colonized by tundra or treeless ecosystems and eventually shrubs. The melting ice also moves sediment and silt to form wetlands that can release the potent greenhouse gas methane as microbes feed on organic material. Over a 30-year period, the amount of land with vegetation in Greenland doubled by more than 33,000 square miles, which, in addition to increasing greenhouse gas emissions, will contribute to sea level rise. And finally, pollution from fertilizer runoff and sewage is a global problem that diminishes water quality and kills aquatic life in rivers and lakes. But a new study shows there could be a beautiful solution, flowers. Researchers from Florida International University grew marigolds through holes on floating mats in canals near Miami in a method similar to hydroponics. Instead of getting nutrients from soils, the plants soaked up nitrogen and phosphorus from the polluted water to thrive. And boy, did they thrive. The plants blossomed into long, marketable stems with large blooms in quantities that matched typical flower farm production, all while removing nearly double the phosphorus and nitrogen that would occur naturally. The bigger the plants grew, the cleaner the water got which could not only solve a vexing pollution problem, but also contribute to the area's economy. 80% of the nation's flowers are imported from South America through Miami, and the team says the blossoms could be sold to local florists and provide jobs. Wetlands extract harmful nutrients from water, but many have been eliminated by development. These floating flower wetlands could be an effective way to stem the tide of pollution worldwide. Support for This Week in Water comes from the Stroud Water Research Center, which produces the trusted science needed for successful stream and river conservation while fostering people's passion for the water in their lives. Learn more at stroudcenter.org.